0: Please to stand. Congregation may be seated. Let me welcome you all today uh, to this service of thanksgiving for the life, testimony, and the witness of Mr. Thomas Richard Scott, known to us all as Richard. It's our prayer that the Lord Himself would be here and that we might know that even in the midst of great sadness today, the comfort and the strength that only Almighty God Himself can give. In the Scriptures of truth, we read of a man by the name of Job. Job knew what it was to experience grief and sorrow and the loss of his family as well, and yet he was able to say with faith and with assurance, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I write at the very outset of the service of thanksgiving today, on behalf of the family and on behalf of our congregation in Sandown Road, Free Presbyterian Church, thank Dr. Brown, the session, and the committee here in Martyrs for the use of the church facilities for Richard's funeral today. As Richard, Helen, and I talked, About this day over the past number of weeks, it was always Richard's desire to be buried from Sandown, his home congregation. But we knew that with the expected large crowd, and with the lack of parking especially, that just wasn't going to work out. It was Richard's desire that everybody today would be in church to hear the Word of God. And so, to Dr. Brown, thank you. And to the session, committee, and congregation here in Martyrs, thank them for the use of their church today. As a congregation in Sandown, we've lost one of our faithful and most long-standing members in Richard Scott. Richard and Helen were most faithful in their attendance at our services in Sandown, not only in the Lord's Day but also during the week prayer meetings and even at times when Richard was very ill, he still made sure he got to God's house. Richard kept us all on our toes. He kept me on my toes, and I'm not joking. There was always plenty of crack, plenty of laugh, plenty of banter with Richard. Richard would keep a nation going. And as a congregation, we deeply miss him. I must admit that already, we missed his, our visits to see Richard in the hospital especially where he spent the last 16 weeks of his life. Many happy and many special memories of that time. But our loss as a congregation is nothing compared to the loss of Richard's family. And on behalf of all of our congregation in Sandown, our session, our committee, and our entire congregation, I want to express our sincere Christian sympathy to Richard's family, and especially to his dear wife, Helen. Helen, we sorrow with you, and we grieve with you today. Richard and Helen were a team. And their love for each other always shone through. Helen, you did everything for Richard, especially in these last weeks and months, and most especially in the last days of his life. Your constant, round-the-clock care of Richard meant everything to him, and he appreciated more than, than you will ever know. You were faithful to your marriage vows in sickness and in health. And I know that life without Richard will be very different. But I also know, Helen, that the grace of God that has sustained you thus far will continue to carry you through. Also, we extend our sympathies to Richard's family. Richard was predeceased by his eldest son, Ralph Mark, who died very suddenly just over nine years ago. But to his surviving children, to Rochelle, to Richard, to Robin, we extend our sympathies, too, in the death of your dear father. Richard was father-in-law to Deborah, to Jonathan, to Gillian, and to Melanie, and our sympathies are extended to you as well to Richard's grandchildren, to Alana, to Carl, to Scott, to Serena, to Evie, to Harry, to Alfie, Mark, and not forgetting, of course, the little great-granddaughter, Mina. You loved your granda. Your grandda loved you, and we pray that the Lord will comfort you at this particular time. But also to Richard's many friends and colleagues in the various loyal orders and associations that Richard was a very proud member of. Our sympathies are extended to you all, all as well. We know you've lost a very, very dear friend and colleague. Your presence here today means an awful lot to the family. And as we said at the start, it is our prayer that God himself will draw near and comfort the broken in heart. We want to commence by turning in our order of service to the opening hymn uh, on the order of service, Amazing Grace. When we were planning Richard's funeral, Richard was insistent we have four hymns. We like to sing in Sandown, uh, so we're going to sing. And Richard always sang well, sitting there at the back. His voice was always heard. So, uh, we want you to sing well uh, today. And this great hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now i am found. Was blind, but now I see. This was Richard's testimony of the amazing grace in God's life, in his life through God. After uh, we get the introduction, we'll stand to sing. And then immediately after... Uh, we have sung this. I'm going to ask Dr. Ian Brown, minister, of course, in the martyrs tier, but also chaplain of the Belfast Association of the Ulster Special Constabulary Association. We thank him today for being with us and for his help, and he will open in prayer and read the Scriptures after we've sung this opening hymn. After we get the introduction, we'll stand to sing, please.
1: May be seated. We'll bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and gracious Lord, let us know the reason why we are assembled here today. Let us therefore know the needs of hearts, the heaviness of spirit and the huge sense of loss known by every member of the family and by many, many friends. We thank the Lord that we can commend each one to thy love and care and keeping. We think of that hymn that reminds us of the Savior's empathy with us when we're going through the valley such as those people are coming to go through today. Who was he who stands and weeps at that grave where Lazarus sleeps? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. And Father, we thank thee that thou art Lord of all of our circumstances, that thou art the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, that thou dost know the end from the beginning. We know there are boundaries that are set in life, and we cannot pass them. There comes a day when in thy grace and mercy that thou dost look to thy ransomed people, those who were washed in the Savior's blood. Those who have embraced Christ as the only way, the truth, and the life. We thank Thee that Richard certainly did that. And there comes a day when Thy voice is heard by them. Come up higher. And into those heavenly mansions, their spirits soar. Lord, we pray for those that have been left behind. Who are carrying the load today who are feeling all the grief. And we think of Richard's wife, Helen, that I will put the arms of thy love strongly round about her. May she know those everlasting arms to be of incredible value at this time. Lift her up. Sustain her. Encourage her heart. What we pray for her, we pray for all the family. Pray for Michelle and Richard and Robin, and all the spices within the family circle, as well, Deborah and Jonathan, Jillian, Melanie, the large number of grandchildren, the great grandchild, all of them need thy loving care today. We praise you for that beautiful word of the Scripture that tells us about thy loving kindnesses. Even Jeremiah, in the midst of dearth and death all around him, was able to say, Great is thy faithfulness. Thy mercies are new every morning. Lord, we pray for today and all days to come. That I will surround this family with that sweet consolation of thy presence and pardon and power. And may they find those mercies. New every morning that will sustain them and encourage them and fire their own hearts with hope. We praise you see, for the testimony that Richard has left behind, for the impact that he made in so many, many lives, for the dedication and the zeal and service that he displayed in the service of this land, in the service of his Lord. We thank thee that if we should look to a character that could exemplify loyalty, then we need look no further than him. We thank thee for his friendship. We thank thee for his great patience. We thank thee for his organizational skills. And we know that many of those organizations, of which he was a key part, We'll greatly miss him in all the days to come. But Lord, we ask that thou will come and give us grace today. Is there anyone can help us? One who understands our hearts. When the thorns of life appears them till they bleed. One who sympathizes with us. Who in wondrous love imparts just the very very blessing that we need and that is our question but we praise Thee, there is a glorious answer that comes from thy throne and we are reminded as that hymn writer wrote the words yes there's one only one the blessed blessed Jesus he's the one when afflictions press the soul when those waves of sorrow roll and you need a friend to help you. He's the one. We thank before the one who has that lovely name. The name of Jesus. In which Richard finds salvation. And we may too. Come and answer prayer. Help all who participate in this service today. Bless every heart in attendance here. And all the families represented. And as we grieve together. May we also glorify God together, the one who gives, and in his own perfect timing, the one who receives back that gift to himself. In thy dear, precious, holy, ever-wonderful name, we pray, Amen turning to two passages in the Word of God today. The first one that we find in Psalm 91. And I felt very strongly we should read part of the psalm. It's known as the soldier's psalm. That's largely because in the dark days of World War I, this psalm was often recited and read. And under his wing shalt thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side. 10,000 at thy right hand, but it not, shall not come nigh thee. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Then turning into the New Testament and to one of the letters, Paul wrote to the youthful Timothy, encouraging him as he embarked on special ministry. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ... Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, And shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make foolproof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished. My course, I have kept the fear. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing onto these readings from His Word today.
0: Thanks to Dr. Brown today for his help and his assistance for opening in prayer and also the reading of Scripture. We're going to sing another hymn at this stage, second hymn, in your order of service, shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing from the throne of God. After we've sung this hymn, young Richard is going to come and pay tribute to his dad, and Richard will ask you to come just during the singing of the final verse, please, and pay tribute. May the Lord bless you. Seated, uh, can I assure you all
2: that my salmon pink iPad cover is my daughter's iPad, it's not mine. Um, I also want to say that I said to Mr Wilson the other, the other night that with three free Presbyterian ministers involved, this will be quite a long service and that is before I do my bit, uh, so I apologise in, in advance. It is impossible to give a full account of Dad's life in such a short time period this afternoon. So I will aim to outline a few threads that that ran through his life. Dad was born on the 10th of October, 1942 in the village of Tynan, in County Armagh. He was the second of five children to Thomas Henry and Martha Matilda Scott. Siblings were David, Stella, Fitzroy and Anne. Dad attended Tynan National School, but wasn't much of a scholar. I remember he told me how he'd often stop on the way to school and copy homework of one of his friends. As you'd imagine, more often than not, this led to him getting into trouble. Because when you copy the homework of someone else without thinking about it, inevitably any incorrect answers will be exactly the same as your friend. His teacher was Mrs. Curry, who was the mother of his best friend John. She often told him that he wouldn't amount to much in life if he didn't take his education seriously. But school wasn't for Dad and he was keen to leave as soon as he could. He got a job on Jim Gordon's farm feeding pigs and gave over his pay packet dutifully to his mother to help with the family finances. He decided that he wouldn't go back to school, so he didn't. However, After some time, the local education inspector was sent to go look for him, and once found, Dad was forced back to school for a few weeks until his next birthday, and he was old enough to legally leave. Dad's search for more permanent employment took him into Allen's Bakery in Armagh, where he began to serve his time as a journeyman baker, cycling 10 miles to Armagh from Tynan one way every day. He passed his motorbike test at 16 and was able to travel further for work gaining further experience in bakeries in Market Hill and in Portadown. And it was in one such commute to work in Portadown that Dad was involved in an RTC that was to change his life forever. As he rode into town on Church Street in Portadown a car pulled out of the fur green and knocked him down. So severe were his lower leg injuries that the doctor in Lurgan Hospital wanted to amputate his left leg below the knee. Dad refused and soldiered on, but was left in constant pain in that leg for the rest of his life. Spending almost a year in hospital meant he lost his job, and in order to finish serving his time as a baker, he had to take a job in the cake shop in Oma. So at the age of 19, Dad moved to Oma and got lodgings in the home of Gene Bradley. He soon met Gene's younger sister, a certain Helen McCorgle. Dad asked the young Helen out, but she turned him down. He persevered, though, and, and maybe you know, he, it was because he saved her baby nephew, Duane, from choking on a camera spool, I'm told, that she finally agreed to go out with him. So on the 4th of April, 1962, a week before her 18th birthday, they went out on their first date. And this was the start of what has been a 62-year relationship. Once he had served his time, Dad returned to County Armagh to work in W.D. Irwin's and also the Savoy restaurant and cake shop in Portadown. And he was able to showcase his skills as a journeyman baker when he baked and iced mum's 21st birthday cake, which she described to me as a beautifully decorated heart-shaped cake, but one also that she insisted had to be shared with her nephew David as it was his first birthday also. We all in the family benefited from dad's skill as a baker, as children, when our home was often filled with the smells of freshly brick bread and apple tarts and buns. I have many fond memories of picking apples from the trees at home and waiting for the tarts and buns to be made and be ready on a Saturday evening. Other happy childhood memories are of family holidays all across the British Isles and even into Europe, usually as part of a wider McCorkle clan outing. In trailer tents and caravans, we all have experienced the highs and lows of large family gatherings centred on this interesting camping experience. Now, alongside working as a baker, dad served in the Ulster Special Constabulary, joining in 1958 at the age of 16 during the then IRA border campaign. Despite knowing Dad was underage, John West, the local J.P. in Tynan, signed his papers anyway and Dad joined his father and older brother David as a B-man in the Tynan platoon of the U.S.C. As if working as a special constable on top of his full-time job wasn't enough, Dad also joined not one but two volunteer reserve units of the armed forces. He joined the Royal Observer Corps, serving in 31 Group again in Tynan. However, I didn't even know about the second one until relatively recently. Dad had always told me how proud he was um, when I had commissioned, and then when I became a company commander in the Royal Irish last year, he smiled whenever I referenced the fact that my company carried the title of the Royal Irish Fusiliers. This finally made sense to me when when Dad and I were talking in hospital just before Christmas. I was showing him pictures of a a recent competition that the the, the guys in the company had won, and Dad just casually dropped into conversation that he himself had joined the TA battalion of the Royal Irish Fusiliers for a short period in the 1960s. And this was a lovely final connection for me between me and my father. Now dad continued to work as a baker and a special constable until he was mobilized into the Royal Ulster Constabulary undergoing basic training at the depot in Enniskillen. And while in training there, Mum and dad were married on the 3rd of September, 1969. And they went on to have four children, Ralph Rochelle, Richard and Robin. He had to return, complete his training and was assigned, uh, and was assigned <clears throat> to Katie Police Station. And soon had the opportunity, to prove Mrs. Curry wrong when on a dark rural road late one evening, Mrs. Curry was stopped at a checkpoint by a polite young constable with whom she readily engaged. She was most shocked when the constable addressed her by her name and introduced himself as the boy who she said would never amount to anything better than feeding pigs. She was delighted to see that she had been proved wrong. Dad didn't stay for long and Katie, As once his bosses realised that he had only lived seven miles up the road, he was moved and so began his policing journey across the province to stations including Dungiven, Oma, Newton Ards, the Lisburn Road, Ballinafay and finally Castlereagh. However, Dad's policing journey didn't finish in the RUC as he transferred to the then Civil Aviation Constabulary at Aldergrove Airport and later to Edinburgh where he was selected for promotion to sergeant. However, they decided not to uproot their family and after a short period, Dad came home and left policing behind. He started to work for Chubb Fire, eventually becoming an area manager, but again at itchy feet, and started out his own business in Surefire. The number of family members who have worked in Surefire over the years is hard to recall. All four of his children in some capacity, his his in-law, children-in-law, several of my cousins, uh, most notably David. Dad was influential in the creation of the British Fire Consortium, and was respected in the industry right across the UK. And my brother Robin continues Dad's legacy in this business as he runs today. From his teenage years, Dad had a love of motorbikes, tearing up the roads around Tynan and County Armagh. This led to formal road racing, with Dad competing in the Tandragee 100 and Cookstown 100, amongst other races. And this love of motorbikes never left him. He was a member of the RUC Police Motorcycle Club, and he still has a motorbike up at home to this day. At 70, even though he had difficulty walking, Dad would still throw his leg over a bike and go for a ride, although he wasn't too impressed when we got a 70th birthday mention on the Hugo Duncan show uh, on Radio Ulster for him tearing up the roads and crossing the Creevy at this time. This love of bikes was shared by all of his sons, although no more um, so by his eldest son, Rob. Dad didn't slow down in his later years. He became the General Secretary of the USC Association in 1999, and this was a position that he held for 25 years. He worked tirelessly for the association and was instrumental in the erecting of the memorial plinth to the Ulster Special Constabulary at the National Memorial Arboretum at Litchfield. He organised trips over each year and also to the National Remembrance Day Parade in London in November. He was a proud grandfather when, in 2015, he was joined by his grandson Harry, who marched alongside him in military fatigues and my own cobbing in an image that actually went round the world online and made it into a variety of newspapers including the Daily Mail and the London Metro. It was in recognition of Dad's work for the U.S.C. Association that he was awarded the British Empire Medal in September 2018. Mum, Robin and I were proud to attend his investiture at Hillsborough Castle and Mum and Dad also attended a Royal Garden Party at Buckingham Palace. Even in his final days, he was directing the other officers of the association as they completed what was the second long-term objective for Dad, uh, the establishment of a museum to the Ulster Special Constabulary and Dad was proud that this has been achieved and doubly so that it will be based in his home of County Armagh. Dad was also very active within the Loyal Orders. He was a member of Derry Hall Boyne Defenders for almost 65 years and served as District Secretary in Killalay District. He was a member of Albert Total Abstinence RBB 322 and served as the District Master of Ballamacarratt District Chapter Number 4. He also joined the Thiepval Memorial Lodge in 1997 And it was his proudest moment of these organizations when he was elected to serve as the Worshipful Master in 2023, a position he held until this week. Dad also loved his dogs. Since being married to Mum, I think they've had four Alsatians, two Jack Russells, a Border Collie, Border Collie Cross, a Labrador, a Terrier, and finally Dexter, who I don't know what he is. Um, And Dexter was smuggled into the Ulster Hospital as a very special visitor to Dad in late January. And I'm sure he was the, the uh, bit well-received visitor they had in that time. Dad came to faith on the 6th of September, 1979. I was born nine months and one day later. He was never sure if I was a blessing from God or a lifelong trial and test for him. But Dad displayed the same principles and dedication in his walk with Christ as he did in all walks of life faithfully attending both Sandown Road and Mount Murray and Free Presbyterian churches for the rest of his days setting a godly example for his children unfortunately life comes with difficult times as well as good none is more starker than the loss of a child sadly in 2014 my older brother passed away suddenly and Ralph's death hit dad very very hard it was shortly after this that dad's health declined he was diagnosed with leukemia in December and it was followed by later diagnosis of diabetes, prostate cancer, and then cancer on his spine. He faced these challenges with the same determined attitude as always, and continued to live as full a life as possible right up until he was hospitalized in late October. Finally, on top of his love for mum and his children, his dedication to the church, the USA Association, the Loyal Orders, and a man of steadfast political convictions, It was his love for his grandchildren that brought him the greatest joy, especially in his final days as his health declined. Visits from Milana and Carl, Scott and Serena, Evie, Harry, Alfie and Mark, and especially Mina, his great granddaughter, certainly lifted his spirits. Seeing his grandchildren come into his room brought a smile and also a tear to his eye when he found words difficult. I'd like to finish by by thanking firstly the staff of Ward 3C in the Ulster Hospital for their care of Dad over the past 16 weeks and also for making sure that Mum was supported throughout this time. Thank you to all who have prayed for Dad over these past few months. Thank you to the session of Martyrs Memorial Free Presbyterian Church for the use of this church in the halls today and to the caretaker for opening up the building, the media team, uh, for the live streaming, uh, the organist, uh, to the Piper, uh, Ranger Strain, a, a long-term family friend from the 2nd Battalion Royal Irish Regiment, the Congregation of Sandown Free Presbyterian Church for, for all the work and support here today um, and particularly for uh, the refreshments to be provided afterwards. Um, thank you to the B Special Historical Platoon uh, for the role that you played and for the association standards and also finally to um, Schomburg House headquarters of the Orange Order for respectfully lowering the flags outside while Dad's remains passed by. Thank you to Dr. Brown and to uh, Dr. McRae for taking part in today's service but special thanks must go to the Reverend Wilson. A loving pastor and a great friend To mum and dad, Mr. Wilson faithfully visited dad each and every day since he was admitted to hospital. He went above and beyond uh, for them and for our family in every regard. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. I must also thank each and every one of you for coming today, for calling at the house, for the many cards, wishes of condolences that mum has received. This outpouring of grief illustrates the high esteem in which my father was held. Uh, Peers of the realm, knights of the realm, a retired assistant chief constable of the RUC has been at the house. Uh, A retired chief constable is here today, for which I'm gratefully thankful. A poor rural boy with no education, who certainly proved Mrs. Curry wrong, achieving many great things. A life well lived, not at home with a seeker. Thank you.
0: Richard, thank you very much for paying that very special. Tribute and heartfelt tribute to your dear dad on behalf of all your family. And may the Lord bless you and bless all your family in this time of loss. We're going to sing another hymn at this stage. What a day that will be! There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day. That will be. Richard has realized what a day that is already. And for those of us who know and love Richard Savior, one day we'll realize it too. It is our prayer that for all gathered here may come to know Richard's Savior and have that blessed assurance that they know Christ as well with their soul. What a day, glorious day that will be. After we sing this opening hymn, as Richard has said, we are delighted as well to have Dr. William McCrae with us today. In part of the arrangements, Richard just whispered to me one day, do you think would the Reverend McRae sing at my funeral? I said, well, there's only one way to find out. And so when I asked him on behalf of Richard and Helen, he was only too happy to do so. And Mr. McRae, thank you for your help and your assistance today. And after we sing this hymn, uh, the Reverend McRae uh, will sing for us. Thank you. That's down to saying
3: There are loved ones In the glory Whose dear form You often miss When you close Your earthly story Will you join them in Their bliss Will the circle broken by and by by and by in a better oh my waiting in the sky in the sky in the joyous Days of childhood of this spoke of wondrous love pointed to the dying Savior now they dwell with him above will the circle be unbroken By and by, oh, by and by in a better all my waiting in the sky, in the sky. You can picture. Happy gatherings around the fire fireside long ago. And you'd think of tearful parting when they left you here below. Will the circle be unbroken by and by? Oh, by and by in a bedroom, home my witching in the sky, in the sky. One by one, their seats were emptied. How one by one they just went away Here the circle has been broken Will it be complete one day? Will the circle be unbroken By and by, oh by and by a better for my waiting in the sky in the sky sun will come to the end of life's journey and perhaps never meet anymore till we gather in heaven's bright city. Sure. oh, so often we're parted with sorrow, Benediction often quickened the pain, but we never will sorrow in heaven. God be with you till we meet again. If we never meet again, the side of heaven, as we struggle through this world and destroy another meeting place I know in heaven by the side of the river of life where the child Where separation comes no more if we never meet again the side of heaven will I meet you on that beauty for sure. They say we shall meet by the river, where no storm clouds ever darken the pale. And they say we'll be happy in heaven, in that wonderful, sweet by. If we never meet again the side of heaven As we struggle Through this world and its For oh, there's another meeting place Up there in heaven by the side of the river
4: of life,
3: where the charming roses bloom, thank God forever, and where separation, hallelujah, comes never more. But if we never meet again, the sun. Will I meet you On that beautiful shore? Now that's the question that Richard would ask you today. If we never meet again This side of heaven Tell me, will I meet you on that beautiful shore.
0: Our thanks to Dr. McCrae today for coming taking part and fulfilling Richard's wishes. We thank you sincerely. We pray the Lord will bless those messages and song to all of our hearts. As we come to the final part of this meeting today, this funeral service, this service of thanksgiving, I want to turn your attention to three verses at the end of Second Timothy chapter 4, the end of the reading that Dr. Brown read for us a little time before. These verses, verses 6, 7, and 8, they record for us the last recorded words of the great apostle Paul, and they really sum up and characterize his life. Paul, when he wrote these words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, was nearing the end of his life. His time, his journey was coming to an end here. But these are not just words that he wrote about. They really are a window into the heart of the great apostle Paul. They're a testimony in his own words of his own life. They are a a summary of his life. In verse 6 he says, I'm now ready to be offered. Time of my departure is at hand. In verse 7 he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In verse 8 he says, Henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But these words are not just simply the words and the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I believe they can quite rightly be applied to the life, the witness, of our late brother Richard Scott. They're a summary of his life, and they are also a summary of, of his death. Very briefly this this afternoon, I want us to notice these words today. And I want you to see, first of all, in verse number 6, that Paul talks about his impending death. He says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that death was coming. He knew that his time on this life was almost over. And yet as you read those words in verse number 6 where he says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He speaks with great calmness and with great confidence. Here was a man who faced death with no worries and with no fear. As we think about his impending death, notice that calmness. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. You see, death as he considered it held no worries or anxieties for the Apostle Paul. Death wasn't something that Paul dreaded. In another letter, he wrote to the church at Philippi, those words we read in the house a little earlier. He talked about being in a twixt between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. It's not that he wanted his life to end, but that he didn't fear the day of his death. And you know, folks, this afternoon, what a way to face death. With no fears, with no worries, with no anxieties. But why was there such calmness in the words of the Apostle Paul? You see, it was because Paul had his faith, his trust resting alone in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Christ and Christ alone was his confidence. Christ was his hope in life, but Christ was also his hope in death. That day on the Damascus Road, when Paul realized that before God he was a sinner. He had sinned before a holy God, he had broken the law of God. He realized that sin that was separating him from God, that sin, that sin that set him on a course for everlasting destruction and damnation in hell for all eternity. Yet there on the Damascus road, his life was turned around. There he realized he was a sinner there he trusted very simply the Lord Jesus Christ to be his Savior. You see, up until that point, Paul had been trusting in religion. Paul had been trusting in his upbringing. Paul had been trusting in his citizenship, in his morality, in his good, upright life. But he realized those things were not enough to save him. Those things were not enough to make him ready for heaven. He knew that he needed Christ to be his Savior. And there that day he called upon the Lord to be his Savior. And now as we come to these words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in his life, his ministry is almost at an end. He has no fear in death. He says, I'm now ready to be offered. What calmness. What calmness. As he faced death, he did so, you see, with gospel hope, with a faith trusting in Christ and Christ alone. The confidence of Paul was later reechoed by the great reformers of the Protestant faith, when they said, by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. He wasn't trusting in a religion. He wasn't trusting in a nationality. He was trusting alone in Jesus Christ, and that's how he faced death. And that is how Richard Scott faced his death as well. Death held no fear for Richard. Death was, Richard was not worried about dying. Of course, he didn't want to leave his family. He didn't want to leave his many friends and his his colleagues. But Richard knew this. He was ready to go. Because, as young Richard has already intimated, on the 6th of September 1979, Richard realized he needed Christ to be his Savior. Richard realized that his upbringing his good life, good and all as it was, was not enough to make him ready for heaven. His good works were, were not enough to save him. His church was not enough to save him. His loyalty to crown and to country was not enough to save him. He realized before God he was a broken sinner and that only Christ could save him. And that's how he faced death, with the hope and with a confidence in Christ. Not only do we see the calmness in this impending death, we also see the confidence. That word departure there in verse number 6, it it talks about a release. It has a variety of different meanings. It's a prisoner's word. It it talks about the the prisoner being unshackled from the chains that, that bound the prisoner, about being set free. It's a farmer's word. It has the the sense of unyoking the the oxen at the end of a hard day's work and and laying the burden down at the end of the day and going home. It's a soldier's word. It refers to the the striking of the camp once the, the battle is over and the victory is won. It's time then for the soldier to go home, to depart. Richard, as we've heard, served in the security forces for many years. He was a soldier defending the freedoms of our province from the onslaught of Republican terrorism for many years. But for now, Richard has fought his last battle. He's laid down the weapons of warfare. He's gone home to glory. Death for Richard meant all of these things. He he faced death with confidence. Yes, it was a release from all the burdens, the afflictions of life. that The victory was won. It was time to go. And Richard, on Tuesday afternoon past, was set free from all the shackles and all the burdens of this old life. In that same instant, he landed safely on heaven's shore. He faced death with great confidence, just as the Apostle Paul did. It held no fear. Many memories I have of my visits with Richard and Helen, not only in their home, but most particularly in the hospital. And striking of all of them was one Tuesday evening. But in with Richard that morning. And the doctor had come in and was doing some tests, and I knew that by his expression, the doctor's expression, things just weren't as they should have been. Tests were ordered, scans were ordered, and they were done that day. I was getting ready to, to go out that evening, and Helen rang, and she said, the results have come back, the tests have come back, and really there's nothing more now can be done for Richard. And then she handed the phone to Richard. And while his voice was weak, it was able to say, Mr. Wilson, I'm going home to see my Savior. What a way to face death. What a way to face the end of your days with confidence. Because of that day that Richard trusted Christ and Christ alone for salvation. There is his impending death, but also secondly, there is the impressive devotion here because as we come into verse 7, Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've, I've kept the faith. What a statement. What impressive devotion. It talks about the three different characters, aspects of the, the character, the life of the apostle Paul. It talks about him being a fighter, a good fight. Paul, of course, had to battle and defend the gospel, and yet he was unashamed of the gospel that he declared and that that he preached and yet he realized it was a battle. Richard Scott was unashamed of the gospel. He was unashamed to declare his love and devotion to the preaching and to the defending of the gospel. In fact, that is why we moved the service from Sandown here to the martyrs, because Richard's prime desire was that everyone would get into the church. Not to hear this preacher, not at all, but to hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ. It was his devotion to the gospel, it was obvious. Yes, his devotion to the church and to country, to crown was obvious as well, but he loved the preaching of the gospel. Sunday morning by Sunday evening, prayer meeting night by prayer meeting night, and any other event on, Richard and Helen were there, and he often fought against great pain and the lack of mobility, particularly in recent years to get to hear the Word of God being preached. past number of years, in recent times, we've held gospel missions in Dundonald Orange Hall. In the hall, the room where we hold the mission, it's upstairs. And Richard Scott, faithfully, faithfully, with so much lack of mobility and pain, hobbled up those stairs to hear the preaching of the gospel. He loved the gospel. He fought for the gospel. Not only was he a fighter, but this verse also talks about being a grafter. I finished my course. Of course, the idea here is the the runner in a race, but it also speaks of a, a grafter, a worker. And we all know how hard a worker Richard Scott was. He battled through much sickness and illness, and over recent times especially, he pressed on, he kept on going. Richard Scott was a grafter. But it also speaks about being a defender. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Richard. Even through his services in the security forces and the loyal orders of which he was a very proud member of them all, he knew that through this he was seeking to defend the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He realized it wasn't just a national battle. This was a spiritual battle. And he was on a shame to take a stand and to keep the faith. These verses speak about an impending death. They speak about an impressive devotion. But finally, in verse 8, they speak about an immortal delight, henceforth, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. As the Apostle Paul writes here. He does so with great anticipation and with great expectation. Oh, I know today is a day of sorrow, a day of great loss for Richard's family and all of his colleagues in the associations and the loyal orders of which he was a member, a loss for us as a congregation in Sandown, but today for Richard is a day of triumph because Richard has realized the reality of what he said to me those weeks back, and going to see my Saviour. Today he has entered into his eternal rest. He's gazing on the face of his lovely Saviour. We see his many medals on the coffin here today, particularly his jewel. He was proud of him, and rightly so. But Richard has received that crown of righteousness. He has seen a Savior face to face. Here is the immortal delight of Richard's life because our thoughts are taken to heaven. For Richard's life, his life came to an end on Tuesday afternoon. His race on this earth, is run. His life on this earth is over. And today, he is with Christ. As we close the service of Thanksgiving today, we must bring before you the reality that one day we all will pass the way of death. The book of Job, chapter 14, and the verse 10, we read, Man dieth, wasteth away, ye man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? Where is he? You see, there's life after this life. And there are only two destinations. For those like Richard who are saved and really have come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's heaven for all eternity. But for those who reject the gospel, for those who reject the way of salvation, for those who reject the finished work of Christ on the cross as their only hope, there is the destination of that awful place called hell. Where is I? We all know with assurance today while Richard's remains lie in this coffin before us. He's with Christ. And as Helen has been reminding herself over these past days, he's not there. He's with the Savior. Let me ask you, where would you be? Where would you be? If this were to be your funeral service, if this were to be your last day on this earth, where would you be in God's eternity? Folks, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's what we've done with Christ that matters. Have you received Him today? In simple childlike faith as Richard Scott did on the 6th of September 1979, have you received Him? Is he your Savior today? Have you this confidence? Have you this hope that Richard had? If not, then today you can. Today you can come to know Richard's Savior. You can rejoice in all that Richard rejoiced in, in his salvation. The old Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks preached a a sermon at the funeral service of one of his congregation, and he chose the title. The Christian's last day, their best day. Richard's last day on this earth was Tuesday past. For Helen, for all the family, for all of us, it was a hard day. A hard day to say farewell to one we loved. But for Richard, it was his best day. Henceforth there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Hymn writer Fanny Crosby said, someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. As Richard's testimony today, the silver cord is broken. The anchor of his life has been uplifted, uplifted here on this earth. And he is anchored safely on the heavenly shore. But what about you? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet God? Man dieth, waste to the way, yea, man giveth up the ghosts. Where is he? Where would you be? In God's eternity. You want to see Richard again? Then you need to come to know his Savior. Richard's in heaven. We know that. We have confidence in that. We have assurance in that. The Lord Jesus Christ, speaking about heaven, said, I am the way. It's not that there are many ways. It's not the way of this church. It's not the way of any church. It's the way of the cross that leads home. Do you know Christ as your Savior today? Will you meet Him in heaven? will you meet Richard again? Have you made that preparation today? Are you saved? Because when all is said and done, it's what we've done with Christ that matters. For Richard today is with Christ, which is far better. For it is last. Battle here, taking his last breath. And today he's with Christ in heaven. Will you meet him there? This could be one of the greatest days, the greatest day in your life, if you were to come to know Richard's Savior too. If this service of thanksgiving were to be the day, the moment of your conversion to Christ, may it be so. That's Richard's desire, that you would see him again in that land that is fairer than day. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I trust and pray that in this funeral service today, you will make your preparation for heaven by coming to know Richard Scott's Savior too. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for the Word of God. We thank Thee, Lord, for its comfort, but also its challenge. Lord, we thank Thee for these words of the Apostle Paul, a man who battled, a man who defended, and yet a man who the day of his death was glorified to heaven. And we thank Thee, Lord, today that the testimony of Paul is also the testimony of Richard Scott, we thank the Lord for that day when you saved Richard. We thank the Lord for that day when He made preparation for the day of His death. And Lord, we thank Thee that through all the ups and downs, and all the battles, and all the struggles, Richard fought the good fight. He's now finished the course. He kept the faith, and we thank the Lord today He's with Christ. And today we sorrow not as those that have no hope. O God, we pray today for those in this service of thanksgiving who as yet do not know Richard, Saviour. May they even come today and make their preparation. May even this be the day of their salvation. Speak on, we pray. Write Thy word upon every heart, we ask. In the Saviour's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Just before we sing our final uh, hymn on your order of service, can I say that after the service we will uh, go to the graveyard at Ballet Gown, uh, Free Presbyterian Church, uh, just before you come into to uh, itself, just past the 40 mile an hour speed limit. Can I just point out to you that parking there is very limited, and so if you could please use the, the main church car park, the Uh, church car park is opened. It's just immediately past the entrance to the cemetery, and then you can walk up the short distance uh, to the cemetery itself. To those who are not going to the cemetery, you're welcome to stay uh, behind after the service for tea and refreshments served in the the Jubilee Hall, just behind the pulpit here on the top floor, and you're welcome uh, to stay behind uh, for that cup of tea and that time of fellowship as well. Can I just also say that the family won't be greeting people at the cemetery. Uh, That can be done at the tea. And uh, if I can just ask you, please, if you could, allow the family, once they come back here to the church for those refreshments, give them a little time just to get their tea uh, before uh, you talk to them. That would certainly be uh, appreciated. Thank you. We're going to sing our final hymn. It says, When my life work is ended, I cross the swelling tide and the bright and glorious morning I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side and His smile will be the first to welcome me. We'll sing this hymn uh, together. If I could also ask you, please, after we've sung this hymn, to remain standing for prayer and benediction and remain standing as the coffin is taken out of the church. Thank you. (laughs) I the single. standing for prayer, please. Eternal Father and our God, we thank Thee today for Your presence with us. We ask, O God, You would please to speak on. May the Word of God, Lord, have that dwelling and abiding place in every heart today. Lord, as we leave now, we pray, Lord, for presence, for Your presence, Your help. We ask, O God, You'll give that special grace as we make our way, Lord, to Richard's final earthly resting place. Lord, draw near, O God, we ask, and go with us, we pray. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.